The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Amen. You can't script that kind of announcing. Some churches are trying to get a little extra money for some nicer shoes for the pastor. We're just trying to get nice toilet paper, I guess. So amen. My shoes will have to make do. Praise God. Uh, Before we start, um, I got some handouts that we're going to do. Gordon, Cody, you guys want to pass those out? Um, So there's just a bag here. Pull one, pass it down. It's going to be something to uh, help you think through what we're going to talk about today and also that's going to help you to remember it. After this, um, so there's no uh, safety warnings on the individual pieces that are in the bag. So let me just tell you, don't put it in your mouth, don't swallow it, um, don't do any of the things that you wouldn't want a three-year-old to do with it because adults will choke the same way. Um, And last but not least, we are just not liable because you've been warned. So if you decide to suck on that thing, that's your own problem. Uh, We're going to pass those out. Just make sure if you get one, pass it down. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. We want to make sure everybody has one before we're done. And this is going to tie into the message for the rest of the month. Uh, so keep it handy, keep it around you just as a reflection point. Uh, are we good? Everybody got one? Anybody missing? All right, I'm going to, pr- oh, on this side, we're missing this whole corner over here, Gordon. And then if you do have extras, yeah, you can just pass them back up to them because I'll make them available next week too for anybody that missed this week. All right, Father, we just pray over the word today. Father, we need your Holy Spirit to teach us. Lord, you said that your Holy Spirit would be our counselor. Lord, that you would lead us into truth. And Father, I pray that you would do that today. Amen. I'm not sure why that's an emotional statement, but there we go. Praise God. I think God wants us to abide. That's what this message is about. And God wants to be close to us. That's what Jesus died for. Uh, the message series that we're starting is Abide or Die. Anybody ever play that old game? There was an old skater game back in the day at the arcades, and it was Skate or Die. Skate or Die, Skate or Die. And you roll around on a skateboard, and it's old enough probably of a game to now start being retro, and you'll probably start seeing it come out soon if it's not already back out. But you skate around, and these swarms of killer bees would chase you down and try to kill you. And then you had to skate. And yes, we did. And so we just did that on vacation, and we had bees that were the size of our thumbs. We looked them up, and they were the killer wasp hornet things, and they were all over our Airbnb. So it was really an Air B and B. That's a good joke. I should just walk off on that. That's my greatest joke of all time. Okay. I just thought of that. Um, but it is uh, abide or die because it's really that important. And I don't think that's me making that noise, but if it is, I'm going to figure it out. Uh, it's really that important to us. And this is spirit living in a flesh-driven world. We are surrounded by a flesh, not just physical bodies, but the Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It talks about these desires that we have in the flesh. And we are surrounded by them all the time. Trying to live for God in this world, it's like trying to be on a diet and you work at the buffet. Like, oh, I work out at the buffet and I'm trying to drop some pounds. It's a tough job. 
to try to do that every day and to pass that off and be like, okay, I'm passing on this. I'm pass- Hey, it's, you need to take your 30-minute break and you've got all these buffets around. That would be a tough thing to do. It is tough to our natural selves to try to live for God in a world that lives for self and for flesh and for whatever we desire and whatever we need. And whatever we desire is good. If that's you, that's your, that's your desire, that's good. Everything is good as long as it's what you desire. Problem is a lot of us desire different things and those come into conflict. We hurt each other. We harm each other. God designed us certain ways. You know, I desire when I go to the gas station to put water in my car because it's a whole lot cheaper than gas. But if I live by my desire, I'm going to break my car. Then I have to call Justin, my car pastor, the guy that works on my car and fixes it, makes it better. He's going to have to come and actually fix my car again because I put water in there. So living by our own desire doesn't work. We have to live by our design, which is what we are made to do according to how God's designed us to live and function. And so abiding and having a spirit life, not a flesh life, is how we're designed. We are made to have a relationship with God. We're made to interact on a spiritual level not just on a flesh level. We're not animals. We're people. And God made people in his own image, and he made us to interact with him that way. So we're going to start out in John 15, and this is verses 5 through 6. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying you have to abide. You have to be in me. You have to be connected to me. You have to have a spirit focused life that's drawing for me in order to live, in order to be able to bear fruit. I think that is me, huh? What's wrong with that? No, it's not that. And so, um, This service is getting wild, and we're just starting. If you're new here, we're not always, never mind. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. God wants us to abide in order to bear fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown in the fire, and burned. So here's the thing to think about. We talked last week about abiding, and one of those things when we talked about abiding was the fruit. like you know because the fruit isn't coming out. Well, if you ever had a tree that was a fruit tree and you can see that the fruit is going bad, there's no fruit, the fruit's withering, the fruit's ugly, the fruit's dry, it's, it's not coming. What does that tell you about the tree? The fruit doesn't just go bad because fruit's going bad. The fruit goes bad because the tree is going bad as well. The tree's unhealthy, the branch is unhealthy. So if you're looking at your life and you're saying, some of this fruit isn't good, I'm having a lot of anger, I'm having a lot of depression, I'm having a lot of sadness, I'm having a lot of desire for things that are addictive, I'm having uh, disagreements with people, I'm holding on to bitterness. Like there's fruit coming out that's not good, and the good fruit I'm supposed to have is not coming out. Patience, love, kindness, generosity, I mean, all these good things, they're not really there, but these other things are coming out. We're not just trying to abide in order to have better fruit. The lack of fruit is an indication that you're dying. In a spiritual sense, it's an indication. It's like taking your pulse. It's like checking you and saying, how are you doing? 
oh, the fruit's bad. Hey, warning sign, it's not just the fruit. It's the branch. And we are the branches. And so it's a sign in your life that there's a real problem. It's not just that I want better fruit so I can be a better blessing to people. You're either alive and producing fruit or else you're dying. That's the two choices. Because a fruit tree that's healthy bears fruit. That's what it does. It doesn't try. By nature, it does that. It comes out. The fruit's not coming out. You got bigger problems than just not having something to offer people. Something's coming back in. Something's going on inside internally that's starting to decay your life and your mind and your heart. And that's a warning sign. It says, if anyone does not bite in me, then that's what happens. And so the fruit goes bad. So on this next slide, this is an actual, this is a real thing. This is an oxygen bar. And so if you look at this, uh, these are actually real. You know, you can go to a bar now, and you can actually just go in there, and they say, hey, what do you want? You're like, I'll take some oxygen. Like, I'll take some of that, please. You can actually get it flavored. You can get, like, menthol in there or grapefruit in there, or you can get, like, a mint in there. You can get papaya, whatever. You can get, like, inside the oxygen, so when it comes in, you're, like, getting this whiff and this smell, and there's nothing in it but oxygen. Like, that's what it is. It's going to fill you up and give you oxygen. Because people, for some reason, feel like the oxygen here on earth is not good enough which maybe it's not. It's not good enough. Like, I need some good oxygen. I need the good stuff. And you can actually go to the store. I got this at the store. This is boost oxygen. So I can, you can get one of these at the store, and then you can, you can get them in different flavors. This is plain. This is a normal old oxygen. And then what you do is you hold it up to your face, and then you just, mm. oxygen. Is that awesome? I just got a shot of oxygen. It's fantastic. And check this out. Not just oxygen, but according to this can, this is 95% pure aviators breathing oxygen. This isn't even like land lovers oxygen. This is like aviator up in the plane, top gun glasses on. Like when they're taking breaks in between shooting, Tom Hanks is up there sucking this down. Tom Cruise is up there sucking this down. Shows how much I watch movies. Tom Cruise up there sucking it down. Just trying to get a breath. Get a little bit in between. Wouldn't Tom Hanks have been a better? Uh, whatever. He's taller. I'm just saying. But you can get that shot of oxygen. Why? Because athletes use it. Apparently aviators use it. I use it now. Praise God. But it's because our body needs oxygen. And if they're saying, hey, do you know what? You're not getting enough of good oxygen. You need an extra. You need to add to that supply. You need to get it. The reason I'm bringing this up is because we have a hard time emotionally and mentally translating the idea of a branch needing to be connected to the vine. Because most of us in here are not gardeners. Most of us here don't have a vineyard. Most of us here don't even like walk through a vineyard. We may have never seen a vineyard. The best thing we do in Texas is walk through a corn maze. That's about it. But to know and to understand it, the people he was talking to fully understood what was going on and how important that was to the life of everything that's happening. And there's times where people drank more wine than water because it was hard to get fresh water and good water, but actually fermented grapes and wine meant alcohol was in there, which killed the germs, which means you drink it even as water. Give it to the whole family. Hey, guys, it's morning. Have some Cheerios here. Have a glass of wine, kids. And you pass stuff around. So there was an importance to the vine. There's an importance to the fruit. There's an importance to what came out of it. All these things. And the vine has to pull up all the nutrients to get it to the branch, to get it to the fruit, or else it will die. In the same way that we're more relatable to in our modern-day society is that we have to have oxygen. 
If you pull out the oxygen, guess what happens to us? We're done. And it doesn't take long. And we start having all the signs of that happening. And, you know, we can do this. When we abide in the Lord, right, he's that, that breath. The Bible even compares the Holy Spirit to breath. In fact, God breathed into us to give us life in Genesis. There's a lot of references to breath and to air and to breathing. Because God is the breath of life. He's the one that's in us. And so we spend time with him, and it gives us that power, that faith, that energy. Everything that we need is in him. And the more we abide, the more that we have breath. But what if my abiding, what if my breathing was this? external can that when I really was desperate and needed a breath, I opened my mouth and sucked some in. But outside of that, I didn't really breathe. How do you think I would feel? Probably nothing, because I'd be dead. But aside from that, lethargic, tired, stressed, anxious. Anybody ever feel that way in life? Tired, lethargic, stressed, anxious, maybe even angry, right, agitated. Well, if I don't breathe enough, that happens. Some of us treat abiding the same way as this can. The time that we spend with the Lord is that quick 60-second verse of the day. We just quickly grab it. We just, okay, I'm ready for the rest of my day. I don't have to think about God again. I don't have to think about spiritual things anymore. I don't have to do any of that because you know what? I just got my shot and I can move on with being a person. And it's not meant to be that way. It's meant to be a continual, constant abiding. Paul said that he prays without ceasing. He's constantly in his communion and his connection with God in order to fill up. Romans 8, five through six. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. I'm going to pause right there because the word according doesn't mean what we think it means. We just think, oh, in relation to, like because of that, that, like that's what it means. The actual word is keda, and it means to come down to a lower plane. That's what it actually means. So for those who live and bring themselves down to a lower plane of the flesh, Lower than where we're meant to be, lower than where we're meant to focus, lower than where we're meant to draw our life and our strength from. Those who live according to this lower plane, this lower existence, and set their mind on those things. But there are also those that live according to the Spirit, and they set their minds on things of the Spirit. And so we're purposely setting our mind on something higher, something above. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So there's a choice and where we set our mind, where we abide, where we put our thoughts, where we put our emotions, where we put our feelings, if we put them on the flesh, it brings death. We're, we're not breathing, so to speak. We're not connecting to God, to our supplier of air, to our oxygen, to our breath of life, because we're just worried about our own stuff. This is how I solve the problem. This is how I deal with the issue. This is, oh, you know, I don't forgive, I judge. Do you know what? I don't love others. I'm just worried about myself. Do you know what? I don't trust God with my finances. I just worry and trust about my own work and what I can accomplish. Whatever we're putting our mind on our own flesh, I can overcome this addiction because I have my 10-point plan. Well, a 10-point plan looks really, really good until you have an 11-point problem. And then you're out, and I've been there. I've had 11, 12, 13, 14. I've had problems with triple digits, and my 10-point plan was broken. And so it's to set our mind on a higher place and to connect with God that way. And that's how we breathe. That's how we get life. And so... 
Um, I actually, this is why, Donnie, you couldn't help me with my sound thing. And so at my own, uh, having to use this mic is going to take a second longer to do this, but bear with me, uh, because I do have a special outfit on today. And the reason that I'm wearing this, I want us to get the picture. So hold on. Look, that's as awkward for me as it is for you. Actually, it's not at all. But this is what I want us to get our head around why I gave the keychains. This is what our life is. We are not living, spiritually speaking, in this atmosphere. And if I go into a different atmosphere, I go into a different space, and I don't take, like, if I break out of the fleshly, worldly atmosphere and I move into outer space by the moon and all that stuff, guess what I'm going to need? I'm going to need to be equipped and connected to some oxygen because if I don't, what's going to happen? I'm going to die. That's literally, this isn't like abide so we can feel better. This isn't abide so our life can go a little smoother. This isn't abide so that maybe I can be a little happier. The stakes are way higher than that. You don't fly up into space and say, well, I'm about to do a spacewalk. I'm leaving the ship right now, but uh, hey, I might be back for a quick can of air. The idea is that you have to have air to breathe up there. Well, if you want, even though our bodies are on the earth, our mind is supposed to be set on spiritual things. Our life, our heart is supposed to be set on spiritual things. And if we don't embrace the idea that we live differently, Peter talks about it. He says that God, and it's also in Deuteronomy, but he talks about how we are a peculiar people. We don't fit in here. We're peculiar. Not cool kids. We're peculiar. People look at us and they're like, dude, why do you got a space suit on? That's weird. We're weird. We live different. Someone should look at our life and think we live different. They should think that we feel different, that we see different, that we, how do you do that? I can't even operate that way. Well, it's because I don't breathe this air. This air would kill me. Do you know why? The same reason that I need 95% oxygen, because this air is polluted. And I don't just mean because of gasoline and oil and whatever other things. This air is polluted because everything around us that's going on is constantly toxic. Turn on the news, toxic. Turn on anything, a TV show, toxic. Turn on music, toxic. Does that mean you don't have anything to do with TV or news or music? No, but you got to realize that everything you do, everywhere we're going, there's something toxic going on that's constantly trying to take out our spiritual life and our spiritual person. We're operating in a world that we are spiritually just not made for. We're made for heaven. We're made for communion with God. And someday we'll be there. But right now we're here. And as long as we're here, if I went on a trip to space, I don't need an oxygen tank when I come back to earth. I don't need the suit when I come back to earth. But as long as I'm in outer space, I better stay geared up. Someday we'll be in heaven and we don't need to port around all this extra stuff. We'll be right in the presence of God. But as long as we're here in a place that's not what we're really fit for anymore as being born again, people walking in the spirit, living for God, trying to live by a whole different worldview, a whole different value system. 
and to live by the Spirit. In order to do that, as long as I'm here, I've got to stay geared up. I've got to abide. I've got to be in God's presence. I've got to be constantly getting air and oxygen. That's the importance level of being connected. It's not simply like, well, if I do that a little bit more, I'll, I'll be a little bit better. But I'm already pretty good, so I don't know that I need to do anymore. Like, I'm better than that guy, and so I just need to bite a little bit more. Maybe I'll be a little bit nicer, but that's not the point. The point is that we actually literally begin to die. Last week, the ladies talked, and a few of the things that they pointed out, uh, Courtney said, we all have a built-in gauge that tells us when we need more time with Jesus. It's true. You have a built-in gauge. If I came over and held your breath and plugged your nose, they snuck up behind you, just messing around, having fun, and I covered your face up, wrapped a little piece of Reynolds wrap around it, just, ah, funny joke. We all have a different gauge on how long we could handle that, right? Some of us would be like my wife, who's super claustrophobic, would just feel my presence walking up behind her and already start to have a panic. Some of you would be like, slap around, you'd just be staring at me, smiling like, you think this has stopped me? But eventually, you would start to show signs that you need air. We all have a gauge where it starts to tell us, you know what, you've got to breathe now. You've got to get in God's presence. You've got to switch your focus. You've got to put on some worship music. You've got to get in prayer. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to change your thinking, your focus. And we have to pay attention to those things. Carrie said, God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a listening problem. That's a powerful point. We have a listening problem. Even when we think about praying, I said, if I hand anybody say, hey, you know, let's take some time for prayer, and people are like, well, I don't know what to pray. The fact that that's the most common answer tells us that the most common thing we think about prayer is that prayer is just me speaking. But it's actually both ways. Prayer is meant to be a conversation where we pray and we listen to God's spirit. Speak to us. Encourage us. Build us up. Give us verses. Give us a word. Give us a picture. Give us a vision. Give us a dream. Give us something that helps us to see the world his way and to give us oxygen and breath and life. Jenna said it's not about perfection. It's about connection. I don't know how to do it very well. That's okay. God knows you. God knows who you are. God's connected to you. God, God called you. God saved you. God wants to be with you. And because of that, he knows your weaknesses. He knows your problems. He knows your issues. If I have kids and one of them has a stuttering problem and I have another kid with a learning disability and I have a kid that's, that's deaf, guess what? That's their issue. But as their parent, what am I going to do so I can communicate with them? I'm going to learn sign language. I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to slow things down and learn how to connect if they have trouble processing information. I'm going to know how to communicate to my child so that I can have relationship because I have the heart of a father and that's what I want to do. Well, God is a greater father than all of us. He knows your weakness. He knows if you struggle in listening. He knows if you struggle in prayer. He knows if you struggle sometimes reading the word. All he's asking is, do you know what? Come and engage me and I will meet you where you are and I'm going to learn and help you learn how to communicate with me. We're going to have this connection. We're going to have a, a real relationship. That's what he's after. So it's not about perfection. It's just about making the time and being there and putting our focus there. Romans 8, 12 through 14. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So we have an obligation or something we need to do. If you put your mind on the spirit, if you live according to the spirit, you're gonna live. You've got to get this into your system and into your body. And this is where it's going to tie into abiding is this last part. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
Well, the word led there doesn't really mean what we automatically think it means either. A lot of words in the Bible that we don't have a full understanding of because we don't know the language, but this would be one of those. So led is actually a word ago, and what it means is to be led away, to bring somebody like a person or an animal, to guide, spend the day, to go properly. This is how it's used. To lead by accompanying, to lead with oneself, attach oneself to as an attendant. It's not just, hey, I'm going this way, you should follow. It's much deeper than that. It's, hey, I'm going this way. By the Spirit, we're doing this together. Let's go. It's a connectedness. So even when it says led by the Spirit, what it's really saying isn't just like try to figure out where the Spirit went and then follow. Like we're trackers. We're looking for tracks. Like I think this is where God's leading me. Where do I go? What it's saying is come close and be with me. Because where I go, you'll go. Be here. It's abiding. It's being close to God. It's looking at our life through the lens of God's involved with my life. God's a part of my life. I want to be there. And so it's this connectedness that God is still after, even in that. John 15, 9 through 11. As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Saying, be here. Why does he want us to abide? Because he cares for us. He loves us. Why do we need to abide? Because he's the source of life. If we stop, we're done. So it's both a need and it's just a relational desire, both. We need to do it, but there's a relational component to it. It's love, it's care. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So this is the key. We're gonna talk about different ways to abide. This is one that's often overlooked. That's why we're starting here. Check this out again. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. Doing things God's way is part of how we actually abide. It's not just that I read a verse. It's not just that I listened to a song. It's not just that I showed up at church or a Bible study. But when God says, turn right, am I turning right? If God says, hey, we're setting up camp and we're staying here, am I staying there? Like, am I following his commands? Well, what does that really mean? There's things in our lives sometimes that we just want to do our own way. And it may not be set up camp, and it may not be turned right, or it may not be turned left. But maybe other things. God says, you know what? Forgive that person. I don't want to. It, boom, we just broke off from abiding. Will he ever leave us or forsake us? No. But there's a difference between God's presence always being there and us being engaged with it. You ever been in a fight with your spouse and you're both in the same car? You're together, but you're really not, right? This happens all the time in different areas of life. It's like we can be there but not be there. Okay, so it, abiding is to actually be present and functional and related and connected with the Lord, and part of that comes with obeying his commands. The Bible talks about all these different things. Well, I know, but I thought we're freed from that by grace. We are as far as heaven or hell, but the reality of the commands of God, whether he's talking about drunkenness or he's talking about sexual immorality or he's talking about uh, forgiveness or he's talking about being wise with our money or all the things that he's talking about in the word, they may be that we by grace have been saved and forgiven and we can go to heaven, but the truth and the reality is still there that if we function our life that way, we will be broken off from God relationally. A better picture would be if I have a car 
And going back to that is if I have a car and I do the wrong thing, I put that water in there like I talked about earlier, and that breaks the car. I might have somebody like Justin that comes along and says, do you know what? I have an extra engine in the back because I got lots of stuff sitting around my garage because I'm a mechanic and I got, happen to have that same engine. Bring it over. I'm going to swap it out for you. I'm not even going to charge it. I'm just going to swap it out for you. That's grace. He's giving me a fresh start, a clean start. But if I go back out and say, well, I have grace, so I'm going to put water in my car again, guess what's going to happen? My car is still going to break. It's still going to have a problem. And so even though grace saves us, renews us, restores us, the principles that God gives us and the commands he gives us are still needed in order to live a life functionally the way that he's called us to live it and experience the benefits and the joy of that life. I want to experience the benefits and joy of my car. I got to do that. And so these are things that happen as we walk in his way. And as we do that, his life comes into us, and that is how we connect to his oxygen. And he says, for this reason, I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you like breath comes into us and that your joy may be full. He wants to fill us. He doesn't want us to be worn out. He doesn't want us to be tired. He doesn't want us to be stressed. He doesn't want our chest to ache like, oh, I can't I feel like I'm just going to die. Like this is too stressful or this is too hard or this is too frustrating or this is too overwhelming. Like I can't breathe. He doesn't want us to feel that way. He wants to bring his breath into us and fill us with joy, which comes by abiding, which the first step is that it comes by obeying, by walking in his way. By surrendering our life to him. Areas that maybe we haven't wanted to surrender. But we say, you know what, Lord, it's your way. I'll surrender it. To abide is not merely to think about God. It's to surrender and to be led about by God. I'm not just thinking about him, but I'm following him. I'm walking with him. I'm doing what he's called me to do. Sometimes those are real commands, like we shouldn't do this. You know, don't steal, don't kill, don't, these different things. A simple leading of the spirit. It's not a right or wrong, but this is the way he wants us to go. I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. And we can feel it in our heart. We're like, I still want to do it this way. It's not a right or a wrong other than God's leading us this way. He wants us to go there. He wants us to move to this place or to take that job or he wants us to talk to this person. I don't really want to talk to that person. I made great friends with somebody back in Oregon that I didn't want to be friends with. Because they came in and they had all kinds of stuff going on. And it was at a store that I had. And they looked around for like three hours at this little store that we had. And I felt like the Lord said, you know what? Go talk to that guy. And I'm like, he's here to steal something. He's been here three hours scoping the place out. He's like, he's not here to steal. And I felt the Lord clearly just say, he's not here to steal. He needs a friend. And my response was, I don't want to be a friend to somebody that just sits around a store and looks around for three hours. But God said, Go. Talk to him. I went over and talked to him. We became friends. He had uh, Asperger's, bipolar, had a hernia in his back so he couldn't work. He had all these problems going on in life. Really hard to talk to because he just would go on and on and on and on. And then it was just really difficult at first. But we started just being friends. The guy ends up giving his life to the Lord. The guy was on all these medications. One day he, he keeps offering to come help me at my work. I keep having him help me. Because I'm like, okay, we're friends. You can just come help me. We're going to go deliver. He wants to ride in the car. Come ride. We do all these things. Well, after about a year, I realized, like, he's actually, we're having real conversations. And he looks over at me one day, and he'd given his life to the Lord, and he's been just in God's presence and abiding and being around people and being encouraged. And one day he looks at me and goes, you know, uh, I don't take medication. And I'm like, um, when did you stop doing that? Because he was on a lot, and he needed them. And he goes, I quit a year ago. And I'm like, you quit a year ago? 
And he's like, yeah. I said, well, what do you do? Because he had real, real issues. And he said, well, this God thing is real. He says, and I just told God. I said, well, if you're real, then when I have a problem, you're going to have to help me because I'm not doing this anymore. And I'm not telling you to do that. What I'm telling you is he had an abiding relationship with God, and this is how God had spoken to him. And he obeyed, and he followed it in faith, and I obeyed and followed in faith, and what came out of it was an awesome friendship. We're still friends to this day. I ended up doing his wedding and walking him and, and doing, as he walked his bride down the aisle, doing their whole ceremonies and being a part of their life, and he's still a good friend today. None of that would have happened if I wasn't willing to obey and walk with the Lord. Wouldn't have happened for him if he wasn't willing to obey and walk with the Lord. But because we both abided with God, we got a benefit of friendship out of it, and we also got the benefit of seeing how miraculously God restores lives. And so we got to know our God better. These are the things that come through abiding. It keeps us connected. Psalms 19, verses 12 through 14, and this is the last verse, but I want you to think about this in your own life. And we're going to take just a moment for reflection on this. Psalms 19, this is David, a man after God's own heart. It says, who can discern their own errors? I pray sometimes, Lord, I'm struggling in this area. Or, Lord, I need help with this. Or, Lord, can you do that? David's going to God and he's saying, I don't even know what my problem is. I can't even diagnose myself. He didn't have Google back then or else he could have. Because Google's a great diagnoser of all things, right? <laughs> Just look up any symptom. Sure enough, yep, I'm dying. It's over. I'll be dead by tomorrow. Let's draft a will. Son, you can have my shovel. But he says, Lord, I don't even know what the problem is. Who can discern their errors? And he says, check this out. Forgive my hidden faults. Something about David, he loved God, but he understood his own weakness enough to know that God, even at my best, there's something probably in here that's just not right still. He had no illusions. He understood, Lord, I'm just trying. I'm serving you. I'm following you. I love you, but I know there's still things. Help me. Work in me. Change me. I'm doing good right now but I need you to keep on working on me because I don't know what else is in there. Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins, the things I do in rebellion. That I just like that. That's how I want to do it. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David desired to abide with God, not just outwardly, if you listen to this, this prayer that he prayed, he was desiring to abide with God inwardly. He's like, Lord, everybody else can see me. Everybody else thinks that I'm great. I got men following me. I've got all these things happening. I've been anointed to become king. I've slayed Goliath. Like all these great things are going on in my life. And people see me as a leader. They see me as a great person. They see me as whatever. They can see me. But he said, Lord, that's outward. Inwardly, I want to be right with you. Inwardly, I want to walk with you. Will you help me? And I believe that God wants to help us do that. And so I just want to bow our heads for a minute and just take a moment of just self-reflection. I just want you to ask God the same thing that David asked. Lord, is there anything that's keeping me from abiding with you? Lord, I struggle to read the word. Is there a reason 
Maybe you're just dyslexic. Maybe it's hard to read. Maybe you have ADHD. But is there another reason? Is there something in me, Lord, that just isn't comfortable because I, I don't feel right? I haven't let something go. I haven't given something up. I haven't surrendered in an area. Is there something out of balance? Whatever the case might be, Lord, is there something going on inside of me that needs to change? Is there someone I need to forgive? Is there something you've asked me to do that I haven't been willing to do? Have I become too self-reliant? Whatever it might be, that's not a judgment. David's not saying this in a judgment way. David's just saying this to God, Lord, help me because I want to be close to you. I want to walk with you. Lord, give me the oxygen I need. Help me to live this life. Just as God speaks that to you, and I believe the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes as our counselor. He leads us into truth. He convicts us of sin, which is where our life is off, and of righteousness, which is where our life needs to go. But God is, is able and willing to speak to each of us that way. So just as God's speaking to you, just pray and just make it right with him. If he's telling you there's somebody else that you need to go make it right with, you can do that. But for right now, just make it right between you and him. Because God doesn't want that in the way. We're going to talk more about abiding all month, but the first thing is just to abide inwardly with God, to be right with God. He's already made that possible through Jesus. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.